Well, welcome to Salem Chapel. Uh, this is a little bit different format, as you see. Normally, we don't have four people on stage. Usually, it's, uh, it's me on stage. And first of all, let me say thank you so much for being here this morning, whether you're in this auditorium, you brave souls, or you are watching online. We are so glad that you're here with us uh, today at Salem Chapel. And like I said, this is a little bit different. Uh, we have up here, uh, first of all, you may not know who my wife is. If you've been coming to this church since March of 2020, you may not know what my wife's face looks like. Uh, so this is Lori Pereira, and uh, definitely the better half of me. And then we have Aaron and Ben Sprankle, and, uh, and they're here with us on, on stage as well. They are missionaries to Madagascar, and you're going to hear a little bit uh, more about where that is, if you don't know where that is, what they're doing, and all of that. But uh, I really had them here today, and I wanted to do this type of format for two reasons. We have two goals today. Number one, it's to introduce to you who this couple is. Some of you may uh, know this couple already because they've been with us the past few months. If they've been back uh, here in the States from Madagascar, uh, they are going to be some of our new missionaries in 2021. And so I want you to have the opportunity to hear from them, to get to know them, uh, because uh, part of the resources that you give to this church will go to help them on the mission field that God has placed them. So that's the first goal of today. The second goal of today is just for us to hit pause in our series in 1 Peter uh, and really t just taking time to talk about how God's Word has intersected in their life and what we've seen in chapter 1 of 1 Peter. Uh, if you are struggling with where to find hope, I hope, and you've been a part of this series, that now you have a passage of Scripture where you know to go to. Uh, and we've, we've walked now through 1 Peter 1 all the way through verse 3 of chapter 2, and so just taking time to pause after such a foundational passage of Scripture in your Christian life before we move on and give an opportunity for you to hear from this couple on how that chapter has made a profound impact in their life and what God has called them to and leading them through some difficult circumstances, knowing that every one of us has gone through something difficult, is going through something difficult, and not to be pessimistic at all, but to be realistic, or will go through something difficult in the future. And so from hearing from them, how can you take God's Word and make it applicable to where you may be right now? And not waste those circumstances. We all experience pain. Why? Because we live in a sinful world. We don't minimize that. We don't minimize the circumstances. We don't discount those circumstances. Those are real events in your life that are the result of living in this sinful world. That could be the result of sin being committed against you or you committing sin against someone else. And so even though those are circumstances that we encounter in this world, how can we take the living hope that is ours if we're a follower of Jesus Christ and allow that to be an anchor for us so that those, those circumstances can actually be used by the Lord to grow us into stronger and more mature followers of Jesus Christ. And so that's the purpose of today twofold. And I know you're going to be encouraged in just hearing that. I mean, we try to be at Salem Chapel very transparent 
Um, one of the worst mistakes that you can make is that pastors or missionaries are somehow super Christians and they don't hurt and they don't feel pain and all of those. Like We're trying to debunk that myth. Um, and so today's just another opportunity for that. And so you're kind of going to be listening in. Um, and I tried to think of some questions that you would have uh, to hear from them. And so I'm excited what God's going to do. We're going to be in his word. No different, just a little bit different of a format. So would you pray with me as I pray out loud to get us started? God, I pray, Lord, that what we just discussed today, to hearing from this, uh, this couple and this family that Lord, is no different than us. You've just placed them in a different mission field than we have. Many people who are watching or in this room, their mission field is Winston-Salem. The Sprankles mission field happens to be Madagascar. But God, you desire the same things from us wherever we're at. And so as we've walked through 1 Peter 1 and just been reminded of the living hope that is ours in Jesus Christ, Many may be asking, yeah, but how does that make a difference in my life? What I pray today, that what is shared would, would resonate, that you would use some part of it to speak to each person that is listening. God, we say when your word is open, your mouth is open, so God, may we be ready to hear what you want to say to us. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray, amen. Well, Ben, uh, I've already introduced you and Aaron, so why don't you just introduce your family um, to those who may not know, and we'll start from there. Well, let me say, first of all, thank you for allowing us to be a part of your church family over the last few months. Uh, we've kind of slipped in and been a part of the second service mostly, but we have really appreciated just being here and worshiping with you and even singing today about revival and what God's promises. That is such a joy to our heart to be, a, to be able to do that. We are Ben and Aaron Sprankle. Um, we have four kids. We were, Aaron and I were high school sweethearts, and we met uh, Johnny and Lori in college when we were in college together, and then we met Aaron and Jenny uh, in our first church that we went to in Ohio. And so we, we have over 20 years of history with you guys, and, and so it is really a joy to be here. Um, but we have four kids. Uh, Andrew is our oldest, Katie and is our second, and Ashley and then Caden. They range anywhere from 20 all the way down to 11, and uh, they're a joy. And we have two of them with us today. The other two are in university. And, they were, and I, I, was, I, I assured them that we would not be asking them to come up or to sing. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so they're very, they're very thankful for that. So we said Madagascar. So first question, some may be answering this room. Where in the world is that? Uh, where is Madagascar? Uh, how long have you been serving there? And what's the work that you're doing? So those three questions, where is it? How long you been there? What's the work that you guys are doing over there? Yeah. So we've been there for seven years, a little, little over seven years, uh, Madagascar is an island off the east coast of Africa, right, right across from South Africa and Mozambique. Uh, it sits on the Mozambique Channel and then as well as in the middle of the Indian Ocean. It's the fourth largest island in the world. Uh, and to give you a little bit of uh, population-wise or geography-wise compared to the states, um, it's a roughly the size of Texas. Uh, it has 27-plus million people throughout the island. Um, it's a mix of Malaysian and African um, ethnicities. Uh, it's a beautiful island. Uh, there's mountains, there's rainforest, there's, uh, of course, the coastal areas. Um, and then maybe if you've noticed in the news, um, I know BBC News has been 
talkative about this, um, the drastic famine in the southwest part is where we lived for about five years, um, and they've been covering the environmental reasons for all of that. And anyways, but the, the hardship that the people are going through is something you can look up on your own. Uh, anyway, so five years, they, we were there, and seven years total in the country. Yes. <laughs> so just to give you a little context of of our transition to Madagascar. So prior to living or moving overseas, we lived in Southwest Florida with, with uh, these guys and with the Lundquist in that Marco Island, Naples area. And if could you know anything- Could not be more of a drastic contrast. No, there could not be. So you see <laughs> down in, in Southwest Florida, especially there's you know manicured lawns and, and all the roads are perfectly straight. And there's even in the medians, they have palm trees and everything's manicured cared and it looks beautiful all the time. So we went from that to something more like this, and there should be a picture somewhere. It's more those type of scenes we were seeing on a regular basis everywhere we went throughout Madagascar. We went from roads that were that, that perfectly paved road with no potholes or anything like that to, to roads that look like like this, um, this actually is a national highway in Madagascar. This is Route 9. This is the road that we would take when we were working around, uh, in those first few years among the Masakuru people. And I've been stuck in those roads many times, and you had to use a winch to get out of, of those roads. But uh, we experienced those kind of transitions. We, we also went from churches that looked somewhat more like this and buildings, and, and you have comfortable seats and you have air conditioning and you have, you know, great music and, and all the equipment and everything like that. We went more to something that looked like this. And so uh, where you're meeting outside and, and it's hot. And if there is a church building that's built, um, they, they use metal roofing in the hot 100 degree weather. And it, so it goes from 100 degrees to like 120 degrees inside. It's kind of like an oven. And, but that is, that is church and because it, it's not about the building, it's about the people. And so um, all those things, that's what was happening. And it was, it was a bit of a shock to our system. And, uh, but we, you know, we're asking the question, we still ask the question, why would anybody do that? Why would anybody move and go from all of, this to, to, to that, and, and the answer for us was that Jesus is worth it. And not only is he worth it, but he's called us to something that, uh, you know, the gospel has not reached every man, woman, and child in Madagascar, and so we have a responsibility and a calling to that. And so as we went over there, we began working with the people group called the Masakuru people, and we are, our titles are like, we're church planters, we're, but really, we're, we're mobilizers uh, for the body of Christ, for the church, so that they take that responsibility and own that reaching of every man, woman, and child in Madagascar. So the way we say it is that um, we dream of a day when every man, woman, and child in Madagascar has not only heard the life-transforming message of the gospel, but has the opportunity to make disciples and be discipled in a local expression of God's church. We dream of a day when the Malagasy church is, is funding and training and sending out Malagasy missionaries to the ends of the earth. 
We say it this way, we, we dream of a day when Madagascar, the Malagasy church, is actually living out Acts 1-8, where it talks about sending them to Jerusalem and Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So that's what we're about now. Since we moved and worked with the Masakuru people, we've now moved uh, to the capital city, and our lead, we have a leadership role now of the whole island, and we're looking at what is it going to take to reach 27 million people so that every man, woman, and child can have that opportunity to know Christ. Yeah, what I, what I think is, what I love about what Ben said is uh, you've heard us say that many times about here in Winston-Salem. So the mission that they have articulated for Madagascar is the same mission that we have articulated and what we desire to be intentional with in uh, creating uh, a discipleship process in this church so that you can grow in your discipleship, so that you know how to disciple someone else so that we can see every man, woman, and child have a repeated opportunity to hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you're, you're hearing some of the same language, and that's, that's not because it's like, well, uh, well, we got together and we got in a think tank and we hired some big consultant and paid them a lot of money so they can give us that language. That's just, that's the Great Commission. And I think that's what's, that's what's so beautiful about Christ's church is you know, you may work at a business and you have a different playbook than another business. Or if, you were, if you've been on any sports teams, you have a different playbook than maybe some other team, but the reality is, is we have the same playbook because we have the same Bible. Different context, but same goals, same desires that, that God has given us and they're from the kingdom of God. And so that's, that's so encouraging. So here's the, here's the thing, like we're actually doing uh, in some way, it's a stereotypical thing. We're going to have missionaries come up. They're going to be from Africa. And you're going to be faced with that fear. Man, if I pray, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do and go wherever you want me to go, that it's, I'm going to get to drive those roads. Um, and <laughs> that's always, I remember I feared that when I was a little kid. Um, and so while we don't want to be stereotypical, the reality is, is that's, that's where God led you guys. And so um, I think the question is, is what was that process like? Like what did the Lord do in your hearts to make you be like, not only are we willing to go, but we want to go. Leaving Southwest Florida where there's more millionaires per capita than anywhere else in the world. So just explain that process a little bit because I know that will encourage us this morning. Uh, sure. I'll start with just a basic testimony of um, I came to Christ whenever I was younger, uh, was discipled at home and in the church, the local church we were a part of. Um, missions was not something that I saw as, as, a, as a goal or an end all in life, but it definitely, um, with, with a, a background in knowing Christ, it was, it was kind of like a at some point, sure, I'm sure there's, there's probably a next step that I'll probably do missions. Um, it wasn't until I got to college, sat through a missions conference, um, and that, that thought of, sure, I will probably do that someday became a, um, I must do this. I must explore this. Um, I, I must do this. So we went through the normal steps of inquiries and things, um, ended up in Kenya, uh, and there was really nothing spiritual about choosing to go there. Um, as a college student, the, the trip fit my calendar for the year. Um, so that, that in and of itself wasn't, wasn't really, but what God was going to do there was, was of him. 
Um, I left that trip and it just, the feeling of I must do this never left. It, it wasn't, it wasn't satisfied. It was, it was, I needed, I needed to explore this more. And so we set out and then we, we were married. Um, we set out praying together um, about doing this. And it was 14 years actually of praying, Lord send us. Um, and he kept us right where he had us um, in the U.S. doing church ministry and serving in different um, capacities that way. Uh, it wasn't until um, 2007 we had um, set up like a five-year plan, five-year goals for our family. And within those plans, we thought, well, we want to take the kids somewhere overseas. We want to do a missions trip with them um, because it doesn't look like we're going to actually ever go full-time. So we want to at least... Uh, start instilling in them, maybe, maybe God will send one of them. Uh, we get to 2012, which was the, the last year of our, those particular goals, and nothing had happened. Uh, God hadn't sent us anywhere, hadn't directed in any way, uh, and then we hosted our own missions conference at church, and it came back full force. Like, no, this is this is something that must be done. It must be done. And we felt the Lord um, taking his hand and going, it's time. Uh, so we sat the kids down and said, well, we're to the end of our five-year goal. We haven't um, done a trip yet. And kind of their eyes lit up as though, yay, we're going to go somewhere. Um, and <laughs> it turned in from a, uh, just a short-term trip to an actual uh, lifestyle, just an abrupt change of, of life. Ben can take it from there, I think. Well, what you didn't mention was that on that college trip, that we actually went on that college trip to Kenya with Lori. And so um, uh, these two, uh, part of that trip, they you know, were in one of the huts, and they had to try to get a, a night's sleep. And uh, I don't think any, either of you slept that night just because they're afraid the spiders or whoever knows, the snakes, who knows, what was going to come in and, and get you. But um, so we get to 2012. And at this point, we had a clear sense that God was calling us. Now, we were those kind of weird people that said, God, we will go to Africa. Like, go ahead, send us. Please send us to Africa. And uh, but the answer was no for 14 years. And then, but we sensed God clearly saying, "No, it's time." So we uh, we got on the, the fast track of moving overseas. And with the the mission board that we were with, uh, we got everything set up and we sold our house. We announced to the church that we were leaving. And so we get all the way to November of 2012, and we were supposed to, to go to, in January of 2013 to, or no, to Africa. Um, we got all the way to November, and we got a call from the mission board, and they said, I'm sorry, but it's not going to work out. And so at that point, we're sitting there with no house. We're living in a two-bedroom condo with six of us, and we're thinking, okay, now what, God? And he put us on a path. I love the verse, Isaiah 40, 31. It says that, but those who wait upon the Lord, those who trust in the Lord, the NIV says those who hope in the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And he put us on this six-month waiting time that we were just trusting in him and hoping in him. And it was during that time, there's more to that story, but it was during that time that God clearly showed us that we were to go not to one of the other countries in Africa, but we were going to go to Madagascar. Yeah. 
So I got one more question before Lori asks her question. So she's not just up here so you can look at her, in case you're wondering. Um, which, by the way, you guys on that trip to Africa in college prepared you to go to Africa. Lori prayed, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do, and married a pastor. So I'm not sure which was worse, which was worse but, but nevertheless, that's just free information for all of you who did not know that. That wasn't on our script. Um, but 2 Corinthians, I want to make reference to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you're following along in our uh, Salem Chapel reading plan, you notice this past week it went from reading in 1 Peter to jumping to 2 Corinthians 5. And you're probably asking yourself why. Uh, well, partly because uh, I knew that we would be doing this. And so I wanted you to go to a passage of Scripture that reminded you of, of who we all are. We're all missionaries. And we're all missionaries that are sent by God with a message. Uh, the Sprankles happen to be uh, led of the Lord, and God's will for them was to take that message to Madagascar. Uh, but for you, it's Winston-Salem. Or it could be Mount Airy, or, or uh, Clemens, or wherever you may be from. That's your mission field. And chapter 5, verse 20 says this, we are, this phrase, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making His appeal through us. So that word ambassador literally means a representative. Like just like you would be an ambassador of the United States, you're a representative of the United States. That is, that is where your citizenship lies, first of all. Um, that is the country that you love, and therefore you have a responsibility to represent that uh, to people um, who are not a part of that. And Paul uses that word for a reason, because what did we say in 1 Peter? What's the title of this series? Different. The phrase is, how to live faithfully in a world that's not our final home. We, when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, have been given a new citizenship, that I have a home awaiting me forever that's without sin, that's with Jesus, that will just continue to get better and better and better and better. Like, that's my final home, but God has given me a purpose while I'm here on this earth. If not, we would just ought to go straight to heaven. No, no, I have a purpose. I'm to share with others how the Lord has changed me. Earlier on in 2 Corinthians 5, it says, I'm a new creation when I place my faith and trust in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Like there's a change that happened in my life. But the Lord is constantly changing me. He's making me more and more into the image of Christ. That my desires are growing more and more in line with what He says in His Word. That He's making me more mature, stronger. That's what we've been looking at in 1 Peter and, uh, and so I just want to ask you guys, and we're going to talk about this more, Lori's going to read First Peter here in a minute, just to remind ourselves of where we've been, but, uh, you know, before the Lord does something through us, He first starts off by doing something in us and, and teaching us things. And you mentioned it's been, it was 14 years from the time that God placed that desire in your heart till it came through fruition. When I hear that, I'm like, the Lord knew He needed to do some things in those 14 years. And then, like, you guys left everything, and then you're like, man, now we've hit pause again for many months. Well, the Lord was, you need to do something in you guys. So, and then I know he's been doing that in the last seven years as you've been over there. So just maybe um, 
share maybe what, what's maybe something that, the, that you can look back on and say, man, the Lord's timing, we know His timing is perfect, but we can look back and, and see why uh, that timeline was the way that it was and because the Lord wanted to do this in us. Yeah, so I think um, the 14 years prior to going overseas and the seven years since being in Madagascar has been a constant chipping away and God continuing to, to mold and shape us. Um, you know, I, I think just to be candid, um, you know, there was probably in the back of my mind a sense that I knew something after 14 years of ministry, after, uh, you know, when I'm going now overseas, I'm going to be uh, going over with some sort of uh, sense of, okay, I'm going to bring something to the table. And immediately, if you ever want to be humble, just move overseas. <laughs> Go to a place where you can't speak the language. You, you don't know where anything's at. You don't know how to find anything. You don't know. You, you basically go back to preschool or toddler age. That's how it feels. And so there was a sense for, for initially that, you know, just learning language, and it's so difficult to, to even be able to communicate, and then learning how to do everyday things in a different culture and learning uh, the social cues and learning all those things, it's, it's very humbling. But even still, it wasn't just uh, in those areas. It was even as the, you know, okay, 14 years of ministry, I, have, I know something about the church at this point, or I know something about what ministry should look like, and yet even that, it's like God was showing me that, Man, you are, um, you're now just a part of the body of Christ in Madagascar. You're not some sort of, you know, expert or anything else. And just that humility that God had to keep working on, on me and shipping away at those things. And so during that time, the, what I started to see and what I started to recognize is how beautiful his bride is, even in Madagascar, how beautiful um, his church is, and that uh, every person brings value, and every person has a place in the work, and, and it doesn't matter, you know, your education level or any of those things, you, you have value in his church, and so uh, getting to see that, and, and really uh, on a very practical sense, when I would listen to them pray, they prayed as if they actually needed God. Hmm. And I found myself too many times, yes, I would pray. But in my mind, maybe I, you know, I, I kind of got this. And that sense of just that humbling and r reminding me of who God is. The fact that he's the Lord of the harvest. It says in Matthew 9, 38, that uh, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. What are we to do about that? Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field. And just that reminder that he's the Lord of the harvest. I'm just a laborer in it along with all of them. And so uh, just that process of, of humility mm -hmm. and God chipping away at those things was, is what he's continuing to do in my life, mm -hmm. I know. Uh, I think one of the, along with, with all of the culture things and the, the, the daily struggles of just going back to toddlerhood again and just relearning everything, um, the humility in that was, uh, was great. Um, and then uh, humility hit the spiritual world as well as far as uh, prayer. Prayer was something that I thought, you know, definitely going over, I've got a handle on this. Um, until I realized there was so much more 
there's so much more that God had to, to show me and open up the world of, of just conversing with him. Um, one particular, we didn't talk about this in the first, but it just, while he was talking, it reminded me. Um, we had a, just a brief medical scare with Ben and, and a, a heart issue that ended up being fine. Obviously, he's here today. Mm. Um, but he had to go um, spur the moment um, very quickly to South Africa to get medical treatment. The kids and I um, had to stay. And just the whole, everything that goes with, with a medical emergency, um, just, just everything that goes with that, the stress that it is on your body, um, those that the believers that we knew in that area, as soon as they heard that the missionary had to be taken away um, for something medical, they came. They came, they showed up at the door, they came right into the house, and they just sat with me. They prayed. Um, and for the most part, you know, during an emergency, your, your brain is not going to go into the second language that you know. Your brain is full, full on your heart, your heart tongue. Um, and so I don't even know some of the words that they were praying. Um, but the idea was I was being lifted, my family was being lifted before the throne of heaven amongst a, a culture that was so foreign to me that I will worship with them one day around the throne of heaven, as we mm. all will. And it was just, it was a, a great teaching moment in prayer. I don't know that I can adequately put into words, but it, it was a, a humbling experience at the same time brought, uh, brought such a togetherness and allowed me to hear the Lord say, there's so much more, Aaron. There's so much more. Mm. I love the, I'm thinking to Mitchell read Psalm 34. I feel like everything that we're hearing you guys say is magnify the Lord with me. This is what he's done. And taste and see that the Lord is good. Um, and I just love that fact. This is surreal for me. This is surreal. I wouldn't have thought this that night in Kenya um, when we're both hyperventilating, wondering if we're going to make it through the night. Um, but that's just proof. And, um, and that leads us right into 1 Peter. So if you guys would turn to 1 Peter. Um, let's just review um, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Uh, just talking about the hope um, that, that Christ gives us. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So let me just ask, how has that living hope anchored you guys in Madagascar? Uh, it's been a process. <laughs> um, hope is a word that really took on uh, a new meaning uh, once we were there during our first term and then has just grown exponentially throughout, throughout life. Um, what, during our first term, um, so with a, the, a term would be like a three-year 
contract. We're, we're in a place for three years. Um, and then we go back after that. But during that, that first term, there's a lot of learning going on, um, a lot of ministry exploration. You're experimenting with a lot of things um, of how to do ministry. Uh, I felt that it was um, important to set aside a time of prayer and fasting. So for one day each week, I would pray and fast over the ministry we were doing, whether it was that a village project or um, a Bible study teaching that Ben was doing or a Sunday preaching or um, maybe it was just our kids and our family. Um, it was something that I felt led to do uh, and very excited to do. Um, every Tuesday, I would get my schedule ready of what I was going to be praying and fasting for the next day. I would, I would have everything prepared and set, um, and we would, I would do this, and um, while fruit was taking place, I wasn't seeing it as much. Ben, ben was noticing it in the ministry and, and the things that were happening. Um, the kids were doing fine, but my myself, I was not doing well. It, it became, um, there were such struggles. We were, we were um, experiencing, I was experiencing personal struggles that I had, hadn't ever before. Um, I was snippy, I was bitey, and we would have marital spats that just hadn't, on a caliber that never had existed before. It was, it was out of character. Um, it got to the point where I was afraid when Wednesday would come. I'm like, oh, I'm really afraid. Lord, do I really need to do this? Do I need to pray and fast? This is, this is becoming a really hard day. Um, the spiritual warfare that I was going through was unexpected um, as a as a, a believer, uh, somebody that that knows um, that knows the Lord. Uh, he was a, he was a dear friend. He was I I felt um, I was beginning to feel abandoned a bit, um, even to the point of questioning my salvation, and it was a it was just an underwater experience. And I'd, I'll spare you details of specific spiritual warfare, but truly it was, it was going on with me. Um, and the Lord very gently, very kindly picked me up and took me out of the circumstance. Um, and we were able to spend um, just six weeks in a different area, in a different, um, in a different country, to be able to get um, so that I could see my living hope again. It had, it had um, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it's like it, it fades. It's in the midst of spiritual warfare. You're seeing everything else that's materially going on around you or not materially going on around you. Um, and it's, it's hard to get back to that anchor. Um, but the Lord did it. The Lord brought me, the Lord brought me back. Um, through counseling, through personal Bible study, through family just support, it was able to, I was able to see the living hope again. And it was a, it was a difficult time. Um, but it was something, as I was going through it and even coming out, I didn't want to go through it. I didn't, I didn't want this to be the path that the Lord had for me. But now, seven years later, I can say it's, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go through that. I didn't want to go through it while I was going through it. But at the end, um, it goes back to the, the verses that we just read. In the end, it brings about rejoice and praising 
in the Lord, which is, which is what he brought me through, uh, which was an unexpected lesson, but so, so dear. Um, you know, as, as you shared, Aaron, um, I think about, you know, he gives that analogy where he talks about the tested genuineness of your faith. It's more precious than gold, though it's tested by fire. In that fire, your faith is not consumed. Mm-mm. It's actually strengthened. And that's what I hear in your story. And I just want to emphasize that as you're listening in this audience online is you're hearing from a couple who you would think be like, Lord, we left everything to go pursue you across the world. Why are we experiencing these things? Just like you can be thinking, I'm a banker, I'm a student, whatever it is, I love you, I want to serve you. Why am I encountering these things? And just to remind ourselves, we encounter these things because we live in a sinful world. But God uses these things Romans 8, 28, he uses what's not good for the good to who? To those that love God who are called according to his purpose. And what is his purpose? We're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And so as you think with whatever pain you may be going through right now, and it's not dismissing it, it's not excusing it at all, but it's saying, man, I serve a Lord who transcends this and he's going to use this if... I exercise the humility and saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you. And that's what I hear um, in, your, in your story. So what would you guys, Ben or Aaron, either one of you or both of you, um, just as we get close to close uh, today, and then Lori's going to ask how, how we can pray for you, and we're going to pray as a church over them. What's something that you're, you know, Maybe the Lord's taught you when you're over there or process or even if you've been, been here, you know, in furlough and resting that you just want to encourage this church body with as, as, as you think about their walk with the Lord and the living hope that is theirs in Jesus Christ. Uh, I would just reiterate just the fact that, that Christ is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Um, Whatever path that he has you on, whatever good works he has you, as in Ephesians, the good works that he's prepared for us to do, um, he's faithful to complete it. Even, even, um, and it doesn't mean that it's going to be a rosy trip, <laughs> I guess, is, is the main point. In fact, most definitely, it probably won't be. But he's worth it. Yeah, I'd just say that if you have the hope, then don't keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that we, you know, we go overseas to the mission field. But what we're seeing is that the mission field is becoming the mission force. And what I mean by that is that as people hear the gospel and they hear of this hope, that they understand their calling to go and make disciples of all nations. And that they're going and they're making disciples who are going, who are making disciples, who are making disciples. And on and on it goes and it spreads throughout the world. We know that one day we're going to see every nation, tribe, and tongue. That's, that's the hope, Revelation 7-9. We know that's coming. And we get to be a part of that as the body of Christ. That's right. So don't keep it to yourself. If you have that story, if you have a God story, if you've, you've trusted Christ as your Savior and you know what he's done in your life and you know that hope, man, share that. Um, 
And just maybe a practical way, too, we, um, as we are praying, God, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We're praying for more workers. He said to do that in Matthew 9, 38. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest field. And so we have a time, we just do that kind of every day at 9.38. We just have an alarm on our phone or whatever. And, it, and when it goes off, we just remember, God, send laborers. Send workers into your harvest field. And we don't always mean by that, send a bunch of people from America. That's not what we even mean. Yes, God, send those from America. But also, those, where are the harvesters? Where are the workers? They're found in the harvest. And so as we labor and as we work, we're looking for God. Who are you now wanting to go and share and send? Because what we're noticing as the mission field is becoming the mission force in Africa, we're almost in some ways seeing the inverse of that here in America and in some of the other countries where those countries who used to be the ones sending the missionaries are now the ones who need the gospel more than ever. So don't keep it to yourself. Before Lori... Um, ask how we can pray for you. We forgot. Can you share that story of that individual, you know, as you were preaching and just what happened as the Lord got ahead of his hold of his heart? Because I think, I think that story is so profound because it's what the Lord asks of all of us. Yeah. So, uh, it was just a typical Sunday. I was supposed to go and preach at this little, uh, village church, and we showed up, and uh, they would already, had already started the service. They were singing going on, and we kind of slipped in the back. And right as they were singing, um, the pastor got up, and he kind of walked back to me, and he, he whispered in my ear, hey, we need to leave. So I didn't quite understand the cultural aspects. I didn't know if I did something wrong or what happened. And it just, like, and he's, um, you know, no, you need to, we need to leave right now. So we got up, and we went outside, and there was a couple men from the church that came with us, and, um, and he pointed to this man, this younger guy, and said, this man here wants to get rid of his, he used the word sampi. So I'm racking my brain of, of, in language, like, what is sampi? What is that word? Oh, yeah, that's like an idol or an amulet or a, a charm. And so, okay, he wants to get rid of his charms. Great, let's go. So we got uh, in the Land Cruiser, and we drove over to this man's hut. And once we got there, we all went inside and, and sat down, and there was just room enough for just a small bed. And we all sat, or most of us sat on the bed. Others stood. And uh, the pastor looked at me, and he's like, okay, you know, say something. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't even know what's going on, let alone what am I supposed to do. And he's, uh, but that Sunday, I was going to be preaching out of the text uh, that we talked about in Corinthians. And right before that, in verse 17, you already alluded to it. He talks about putting uh, the old man has passed away, all things have come new. We have this, this new man idea. And so I just read that text, and then uh, the pastor prayed, and, and after he finished praying, this man stood up, and he began reaching into the corners of the, of the hut and pulling off these little, I mean, to us it would just look like trash, but to him, these were things that he had asked the witch doctor for to protect himself and his family from, from uh, you know, sickness or just to, to keep the ancestors appeased or whatever it was. So he began reaching in the corners and grabbing these little things. And then he'd reach under the bed and he would grab another one. And then in this corner, he would grab another. And the pastor asked him, are, are, is that it? Is that all of them? He said, no, there's still more. So he'd... Uh, we actually walked outside, and outside of his house, he had a few more that he would reach for. The pastor said, is that it? He said, no, there's still one more. 
And so we gave him, kind of went to the middle of that village and we got a, grabbed a shovel and he began digging and digging and digging. By this time, all the villagers had come around to find out what's going on and why, why is he digging and why is this uh, Fazaha, that's what they call us, why, why is he here? And, and he was digging. He finally found that last charm. And then it, with all the villagers around, we took all of those charms and we burned them right there. And, and he gave testimony to everybody in his village that he was no longer trusting in these things, but he was putting his full trust in Jesus Christ alone. And he gave that testimony that day, and then we went back uh, to the church and told them about what just had happened. But really, at the end of the day, God is the hero of these stories. Mm -hmm. And we just get to be laborers in his harvest field, and we just get to be a part and get to witness what God is doing around the world. That's the joy of being obedient to him and getting to see that. Amen. Um, I know that you've connected. And there's one thing that we have learned about the Salem Chapel family is that they love big. And so I know they're wondering, okay, what's, what's the return plan? Um, how can they be praying? How can we as a church body just cover you? Um, and so what are, what are some of those things? Uh, you can be praying that we can return at some point. Uh, right now we have a, a goal of mid-March. Uh, it was this past week, and that didn't happen, obviously. Uh, so mid-March is kind of our goal that we would, we would like to return by then. Um, so you can be praying for that. And then um, just... Praying over us uh, as you would your own family, I guess, that we would um, be able to, our marriage would be strong, we would love each other, that we would be able to parent well um, as we are, are in another area serving Christ. And Lord, I, uh, I also pray that you would, um, I feel like I'm going into prayer mode now, mm -hmm. um, a prayer request would be that we would minister well, that wherever we see the Lord working, we would be able to, to join him in that. One of the things that, I'll give you something that actually is a positive thing for you to follow on social media. Uh, we all need that, right? And um, so if you are a, a part of Facebook, um, I'm sure if you get all these people that are all of a sudden requesting you, just hit confirm. Um, <laughs> but Ben-Aaron Sprankle, uh, you can be friends with them on Facebook and be a part of that prayer group, that 938 prayer group where at 9.38 in the morning, they're just asking everyone to pray. I'm guessing that comes from Matthew 9.38. And, um, and so would you stand with me this morning? Uh, we're going to surround them, even though we all can't come on stage. Um, I want you to be praying for them nonetheless. And, uh, and so Lori and I are going to place our hands on them just to, just to let them know how much they're loved. And if, if you want to just outstretch your hand, there's nothing mystic about this is just saying, man, I want to pray for this family as well. They are some of our new missionaries at Salem Chapel. And so I'm going to pray as you pray with me. God, I thank you so much for uh, the obedience of Ben and Aaron and their family in doing what you've called them to do. And Lord, much like that uh, native there in Madagascar and saying, Lord, I don't want anything to be an idol. Lord, I want you to be first and foremost in my life. I want to pursue you with everything that I have. Lord, I know that's the heart of the sprinkles. And so God, I thank you for the work that you are doing in them as you are growing them and maturing them and making them stronger in their relationships with you first. And Lord, I thank you for the work that you are allowing them to see you do that they get to go to work with you every day. Lord, I pray that you would allow them to be able to go back smoothly. 
I pray that until you want that to be the case, that God, you would allow them to be able to rest, to be able to uh, be able to discern what you're wanting to say to them, how you're wanting them to be obedient to what you say. Uh, God, I, I thank you for their children. I pray that you would protect them. And Lord, I thank you that we get to partner alongside of them through our prayers, through our financial giving. Lord, as we invest in your kingdom, God, we thank you for just the opportunity to hear yet again about how the, the living hope that is ours in Jesus Christ anchors us no matter the circumstance, good or difficult. And we give you honor and glory and praise. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen.